Hey, thank you so much for listening to our Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network. I'm Burke Allen, live in Washington, D.C., and the program is a service of our friends at SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. If you are a meeting planner or you're a speaker, this is a great marketplace to get together and figure out a path forward since so many of these presentations and keynote addresses have been canceled in the wake of coronavirus get all the information you need to jumpstart things heading into the new year at speakermatch.com. It's been a tumultuous last couple of months in our country that we all love. Uh, Over 100,000 Americans have lost their lives to coronavirus. Many, many more are sick. Over 40 million Americans currently on unemployment, approaching Depression-era levels. And now protests around the country and around the world in the wake of the brutal killing of George Floyd. And we're devoting the show this week to having honest conversations about what we do and and where we go from here. And I wanted to welcome in my uh, Pennsylvania friend, T.J. Griffin. T.J. is uh, is many things. He's an actor. He's an entrepreneur. He's a community leader and activist. And and the role that I think I I respect T.J. the most for is he has devoted his life to helping turn around kids in the inner city that that need direction and help. And welcome TJ to the program. TJ, thank you for spending some time with me. And and I, you know, where do we even begin this conversation? Yeah, well, well, Burke. First, I'd like to thank you for having me on your on your show and platform. And you know, I'm a big fan of Allen Media and everything you guys do. Shout out to my brother Landau Eugene Murphy Jr. Yes, and I know this one one of your clients and a good friend of mine and a brother and a, and I hope he's doing well and his family's doing well. That's a that's an interesting question. Like when you say where where do we start? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know where we start. That's kind of the frustration that you see with the people because we just like don't know. And maybe we start with this, and and that is, I think that the having a conversation with someone who who looks different than you, maybe was brought up differently than you, without the fear of it going sideways is a great place to start. And, and you know, look, I grew up, uh, TJ, as you know, in the state of West Virginia, which is even today, uh, I think the latest census information is a 92% uh, white population. And I grew up in a, in a time and an era where, where, uh, frankly, my mother was the city police clerk in my little hometown of Logan, West Virginia. Now, there was not a whole lot happening in Logan, West Virginia. I think there were eight policemen and a police chief. That was the whole thing. But I was not brought up, and I would say most young white people were not brought up to, to fear the police, to be suspect of the police. And yet, yeah. my sense is that Young men of color have a, an incredibly different reality there and a different way to look at that situation. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. In the culture where, 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 I, where I was brought up in a street culture, black community, I am, I'm mixed, actually. I'm many things. I just did the 23 and Me. So my father's black and my mother's Italian. So I always thought you... If you're, you know, you're that's fifty fifty, right? That's right. Then I find out, then I find out through doing the this new twenty three and me all this DNA stuff that sometimes you can have a mixed parent and 
only received the DNA of a certain race from one of the parents. And you could completely miss the other. I never knew that was even possible. So I learned so much through this. And I'm multicultural. I have so many different, I'm from many, many places. But my dad's a light-skinned black man and my mother's an Italian woman. So I kind of look like I'm Spanish. Growing up, most of my friends thought I was Puerto Rican. Right. And um, it's interesting because I have a different dynamic than a lot of people because if you really... I have a black father who was in my life, separated from mother at an early age, but was always in my life. Like I could always, he was always a phone call away. He dealt with his own demons and all that. But I finally, my daddy was always there. And I'm raised by an Italian woman in the inner city. By the age of about five years old, she is engaged to a Spanish man who she later marries. So I'm being raised in a household by a Spanish stepfather <laughs> and an Italian mother. And um, my father's black. Now, in Lancaster City at this time, it's predominantly in, in the inner city, it's black and Latino. So I got black friends, Latino friends. My black friends and really are like, he, he, you ain't black in the beginning when I was, you know, later on, as I got older, really wasn't fully accepting and um, didn't have m- many white friends that, at that time in the city because there wasn't many. And I didn't identify with that either. I identified with being a black kid. And then I have a Spanish father who his culture and the older school Puerto Ricans in the city kind of were not accepting of black people. I would always say Moreno, ah, Eo, Moreno this, Moreno that. And I was always like stuck in the middle trying to navigate all this. So I come from a different perspective of all these different cultures being raised in and races at an early age and being taught black history by my father being taught Italian and white history by my mother being taught the Puerto Rican culture by my stepfather. But all of that engages when it comes to interaction with police in the inner city is it's a bad thing. At an early age, we are taught that we see, it's not even like we're taught where we see that when the police come around, bad things happen. Now from other cultures and kids being raised like yourself, um, Burke, you probably didn't, you didn't identify with that. When the cops came around, our friends and family were gone to jail. Our dads were going to prison. There was violence. There was something bad. We never seen a lot of interaction where police were helping. That's not factual because of course they were. So at an early age, you start to identify with the police that way. Then, the culture starts to teach you and you start to see for yourself more and more things that happen. So they almost are become, my wife said this to me the other day and I, I'm probably jumping off track because I'm really passionate about, about this. And um, that's all right. My wife says, my wife said, and my wife is, she's uh she's Italian. She's a white woman. She's like, TJ, how many times was a gun pulled on you by police as a kid? And I never thought about that. I don't know. 10, 15 times, 20, 25 times. Wow. 10 to 15, a lot. And I can't count them. I never thought about that. It's so normal for us, Burke. It's normal. And I was thinking, almost the first time, the first time I was about 13 and we jumped the fences. There's a, a, um, vote, a tech school in Lancaster city called Stevens trade, Stevens vote tech. And there's a big football field. He had jumped the fence. Started running around in the field, and then we seen the security guys coming, so we hid the pre- in, in the press box behind the press box. And for you know that we're surrounded by police, and I remember the guns in our faces, and we're like thir- twelve and thirteen year old kids. We just hopped the fence. But there was many times after that, and all the time it was a normal. It's a normal occurrence to walk to the store for your mom as a teenager in the nineties and in the cities across America and, and right where I'm from from, and be, the police would jump out and grab you and throw you against the wall, run your pockets, and then you'd go about your way. I mean, that was normal. That's, that's normal. So we also, we see this happening. Then we see violence and mistreating. There wasn't a lot of good interactions. When the cops come, it's always 
what do you do? It's always the, the aggression and the fear and anger just approaching you. This is how we're, we grow up. So this culture and then the music, which is hip hop culture, is also a big part of, it's the most influential youth culture in the world today, not just with urban youth, but in the world, That's also right. is, is, is teaching this stuff and telling us what's happening and showing us what's happening before we had these video cameras. So it started, in, you know, it's just from an early age, Burke, from an early age, we don't identify with the law enforcement as being helpful or being there to, to, to um, keep us safe. We identify them as being vicious and violent and not caring and taking not only taking our lives, but taking away our loved ones. Some of that is misinformation. The streets do, do have in this culture, does have a lot of misled education, I say, which teaches that the things that are not facts, all, all cops are not bad. And the problem is that we're taught at an early age that they are bad and that you're a traitor if you, if you, if you identify with them in any way. That, that's, then now we don't have enough of us that come from the communities becoming law enforcement to come back and police the communities where we're, where we're from. Because the problem is when you have men and women that are not from, and you heard this before, not from the culture or the area or the people, and don't know people, that don't even love the people, come back to police the people. That this is what we have the problems. And I also believe a lot of them men and women get into law enforcement for good reasons. And they want to do good. And, 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 and this, the, the, the police culture is... is is hurting the, even the good officers. For the longest time, the argument is, but it's, it's just, you know, just a lot of good cops and there's some bad ones, you know, but most of them are good. I gotta be honest with you. Is that really, the, that's the argument we've been hearing for decades. Maybe most of them ain't good. Maybe maybe it's the other way around. Maybe there's a lot of, lot of bad cops and there's some good ones. I don't know, but it, that's, that's kind of the frustration where we're at now. And, I know I might have went off on a little bit too a little off on that rant there, but yeah, the culture teaches us that being a cop is bad because they are bad. That is not true. We need more of us to become law enforcement to come back to the community and police. And law enforcement needs more police to hold each other accountable. To see them men stand around and do nothing as my as this grown man pleaded for his mama, because I believe that happened right before he was meeting God. He knows he's dying. When a grown man in that age says, mama, like he knows he's dying. And they stood around. And as bad as it is, I think it's a, I think good's happening from this book because it's, this is one that you really can't run from. When a, when a black guy turned around too quick, oh, he did that. When he wrestled because he could, he was fighting back. Oh, he had his cell phone. It could have been a gun. With this one, Burke, there's nothing no one can say. You can't question that video. And, you know, I wonder about your thoughts on, you know, the fact that now in 2020, everyone essentially over the age of six is carrying a video camera. And and I think we're beginning to see this more and more. And, and that video was indisputable for pretty much everyone. So, is that helpful in your opinion, the the proliferation of these videos and, and the way they're getting out on social media and bringing attention to things instantaneously? Yes, it's, 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 it is helpful. I mean, there's good and bad in everything. There's a positive and negative no matter what. So there's also a negative impact from these images and, this, and young black men seeing these images all the time, all the time. But it's very positive. Someone said the other day, racism is not getting any. Someone posted that racism was getting worse. And it, no, the racism is not getting worse. It's getting filmed. I think Will, it was a Will Smith 
comment. He commented and says, it's not getting worse, it's being filmed. And, I mean, this is not, all these people that, that have been dying, at the, there's, there's so many more, Bert. There's so many more. If, it really, if we ever got the truth of the numbers of what's going on. And remember, a lot of times these cases are not being prosecuted. Cops are being sent home with pay. And you don't hear it. You don't even hear about it. What, we have, what would have happened if this wasn't filmed, you know? Well, I know what would have happened. There's, there's a high chance that he would have never been held accountable. Or he would have had to leave a police force, resign, you know, resign. That way when you resign, you can go to another force. And this is what happens with these bad guys. They go to other forces, they resign, and then they get their job back and they do it again. T.J. Griffin is our guest today, joining us from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He's an actor, a community activist, uh, a speaker. He helps young people in his community to turn their lives around. And we're having an honest conversation about race. And and in the spirit of that, T.J., uh, you know, I, I don't want to make a generalization here, but I think there probably are a lot of white folks, and I, I would be one of them, who are sometimes uncomfortable beginning to have this conversation, this kind of conversation, because we don't want to say the wrong thing. We, we don't want to be perceived as being insensitive. And so the conversation never happens. And I wonder, I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, and I can understand that. That's like a very valid feeling and point. And the con- I'm so glad that you're having the conversation and, and have the courage to, to do that and use your platform to do so and not only have the conversations but have a stance and as a you know as a as a white man with a with a platform saying this is wrong he was murdered i don't really and it's just so powerful if more and more people would speak up and use their voices this that would make a difference i i get really and i'm it really bothers me i i'm super multicultural and because of my upbringing or I'm mixed with all these races and was raised by all these different races. You have, you could come to my house one day and this people have said this. I was like, Oh my God, I've never been to someone's party or event that has white, black, Spanish, older, younger, all together having a, a good time. So I come from, from such a mixed cultural background. I now I lost where I was going with that. I'm sorry. It's like a United nations of parties at TJ Griffin's house. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, but what was your what was your question? I was good, trying to get to a point. Well, so so my question is, you know, how do you respond to to white folks like me who maybe are uncomfortable with even broaching the subject and even beginning yeah. the conversation because you don't want to say the wrong thing? I, I mean, uh, Joe Biden was uh, was on Charlemagne the God's radio show in New York City several days ago, uh, right before all this happened, and he said <laughs> yeah, something he about you know uh, if you vote for Trump, you ain't black. And, and yeah, yeah. Was, you know, it was immediately sort of smacked down for that that comment. I think there are a lot of, of white people that are afraid to even sort of reach across and say, man, I don't know what I don't know, but I want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. What do you I say? I mean, that statement, people? that statement right there brings down a wall. So that statement right there. I don't know what I don't know. I don't understand, but I want to help and show me how talk. And it's really just about saying that. That is a, a lone set is like a deep breath, like, wow, okay. He understands, or they understand, or they're trying to be understand. What bothers me so much is I see, that's what I was getting at. I have such a wide variety of friends and close friends, and it bothers me that 
I, I have friends that like when it, oh my god, these rioters are destroying their communities. What's wrong with it? This is not the answer. And when I go back, Burke, and I look at their page, I don't see George Floyd's name once. Rest in peace. And I scroll back weeks and months and years, and I see nothing that has to do with police brutality, racism in America, the unethical, and the, I mean, the murders that are going. I see none of that. But as soon as there's a riot, we, they want to jump on and attack the people. That's, that's a problem, in my opinion. That's a problem. Because guess what? We don't want to see the rioters either, and we're, we're pissed off too. And we're trying to stop it, and we're, and we're with you on that. But we also know that we, we, we address the main reason. The main purpose, and that's a problem because there's nothing when you you never once not you in particularly, but I'm just an example. You never once have 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 stood up for us, stood up for the injustice in our justice system, stood up on any of your social media. But as soon as the, these these animals or thugs are riding, you're on that. So that bothers us. That makes us feel like you're not really paying attention. You don't really care. And you're looking for reasons to point out, and you know this looting stuff is nonsense. We don't want to do this, but I also understand. And I'm going to be, Burke, you know, I come from the culture, I come from the streets, and I change my life, and I work with youth and incarcerated youth, and I try to be a good man today. I can very easily, and I don't live in that environment no more, but I work with the youth in that environment, but I can very easily be back there, man, frustrated. When I watched him cry the other day, dying, like I jumped up and I punched a freaking wall. I was so pissed off I had nobody to take my anger out on. But at least I have a family. I have some growth. I have a conducive environment around myself that I could take a deep breath and find other ways. But if I was back in the hood, I might not punch the wall. Like I know that, so that's, that's why I understand when they don't know what to do anymore. But I don't condone it. You know, TJ, the, um, you said something I think that, that's really relevant, and that is that video of the killing of George Floyd is indisputable and perhaps and maybe i'm being hopeful and optimistic but perhaps that's what's going to make this time different because there there's no ambiguity there's no wiggle room there's no oh well from a different angle it looked like this or that you didn't see what happened before or after it was yeah, 8 yeah. minutes and 46 seconds that any human being with a heart looks at that and it rips their heart out and and i will tell you you know, many, many of my white friends have commented on it and in such a way that I have not seen before. I agree. And, you know, I Lord agree, knows Burke. there have been a million other examples, but this one just feels different. I agree, Burke. And I've seen people come out and say things like you said earlier, I don't know what to do. I want to be helpful. And after watching this, enough is enough. People have never spoken out, but it's like when you read, it's, you can't really explain if, if, if you were never um discriminated against as a black or a brown person and multiple times you can't explain how it feels simple things just feel so bad Mark. and if you can explain how it feels when this kind of stuff happens but to see people step up and say that means so much means so much and that's how that's how the change is made i see people really and with a lot of the young people i believe i see some of these marches not the riots the marches and i see all these young different races together and that's what's going to make change and I, as, as negative as all this is, it's always equal, equivalent, or better positive. We know that. So I think you're right, Burke. And my wife, meanwhile, said the same thing. I think some real good change is going to come. More accountability for law enforcement is going to come. Cops are going to stand up because there's probably 
uh, you know, there's times where an officer wants to do the right thing and see something going on, but he knows if he dares say anything, what happens to him behind closed doors? Right. Like, maybe the bad sometimes outnumber the good, and the good's trying. So I'm hoping that this kind of stuff now makes gives them more of a voice, more of power. Seeing cops kneel all over America, all over our country, and in a, that's amazing. I mean, kneeling was looked at so disrespectful a few months ago. And I think people that were so against what Colin was trying to do because they're so um, far removed from the culture that they don't get it. I think some of them are like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, maybe I do get it. That's huge, man. That's huge. So I think good is coming too, Burke. I really do. Well, you know, you see police officers do that. um, And smart police officers are taught to defuse a situation. That's how you defuse a situation. DJ Griffin is our guest today. I want to ask you about um, a specific thing that I hear an awful lot. And and we've certainly seen horrible videos like uh, the Castilla uh, murder in Minnesota a couple of years ago by that police officer. Um, Mm -hmm. You you mentioned at at the top of the program, our mutual friend Landau Eugene Murphy Jr. And for the folks who are listening that aren't familiar with Landau, Landau was the season six winner of America's Got Talent on TV. And he's gone on to have a successful uh, singing career. And I I sometimes travel with Landau. And there have been two occasions now where we've traveled after a a live performance, and he's he's very tired. He's worn out. And so I would hop in and drive his vehicle for him. And, TJ, I've never told you this story before, but uh, Landau drives a a white Mercedes-Benz SUV uh, because he has a a lot of kids and – you know, he wanted to have a I've big vehicle. It. Yeah, he wanted a I've big vehicle very to pile nice. people in. And and so I would drive, and he would rest at night. I have been pulled over twice driving his vehicle and, and Landau in the passenger seat, and in both instances, in different states, mind you, in Virginia mm-hmm. and Pennsylvania, the police mm-hmm. officer would come up, shine the light in my face, and imply that, you know, uh, something going carjacked. on. Why? Why am you know when I said you know this is his car? Uh, they were yeah. Amazed. Something's going on. Something's fishy. They, That's what he's thought, thinking. Yeah, they thought you know what, what's happening here. Why is this guy you know driving this car with with you know? And uh, I, I'm appalled by that. And my question, I guess, to you is: Did did anyone ever give you the talk about look? If you get pulled over by a police officer. Here's how you need to react to that, and uh, and and did were you receptive to it? Well, no, I never got to talk. I had to get to talk to my son a couple of years ago. My son is mixed too, but he looks more Caucasian than he looks African American. But he identifies, even though he looks don't mean much. He identifies more black because of the culture and because of how he was raised through men. So I've had to talk with him. But me growing up, Bert never had that talk. We just knew that we called them yellow shirts in our city. There was a Vans, of, this is back at the stop and f- the jump out and stop frisk, all that. Right. So they would just drive around in, in vans and cars, under the unmarked cars, and they would jump out with yellow shirts and they would, um, we called it hem you up. You get hemmed up today. Yo, they hem me up on Green Street. Yo, I got hemmed up over here. Hemmed up means they would jump out and put us on the ground on the wall and run our pockets. And that was just part of, part of, our, part of our, our life. And we you know, so I never had to talk. We just knew to run, that, that, that they weren't on our team. And we were taught that they weren't on our team. And like I said before, a lot of that is mised- miseducation because I do know there's good men and women in uniform. But we were taught that they were all bad and it was safer just to, to, to know that. And for what we've seen growing up, 
we didn't have a lot of really good productive interactions with police ever. Like I don't even know of any. I think like, I can't really think of really any as and I had probably a hundred run-ins with maybe that's fifty to a hundred run-ins with the police officers as kids, just regular, you know, being hemmed up or frisked or talked to, and I don't have many good interactions, even though I know there's good officers out there. So I never had to talk, but I had to tell my son, if you're ever pulled over, this is what you gotta do. And what about today, as as a grown man, as a respectable businessman there in, in Lancaster? If you get pulled over by the police today, is there something down deep inside you that is scared? Are you angry? Do you um, do you put your hands on the steering wheel? I mean, I, I can tell you that that I'm respectful to the police officer, and and I tend to have a little bit of a lead foot, so I get pulled over more than I should. Um, but I'm never scared. <laughs> it's never yeah. it's never one of those things. I'm never angry, and and you know what? I rarely ever, frankly, get a speeding ticket. Um, it's a warning, and you're on your way. What happens to T.J. Yeah, Griffin okay. now if you get? That's a great over? question. It's. Uh... Let me just be honest, because men don't like to say they're scared or they're, you know, I'm scared when the cops that's behind me or I pass one where I happen to get, yeah. I fear, I, I'm fearful. Um, today I'm much more reactive, so I <laughs> I got pulled over for speeding to Dr. Uncle as well, and I have my camera ready. I'm filming before they walk to the car. I got both hands on the steering wheel. I got my ID on my on my on my um, lap already. So by the time he's walking to the car and I'm not moving around crazy in the car, cause I know if he's looking at me behind me as I'm pulled over and I'm moving, he's going to think something's in the car. So I very smoothly grab my ID, put it on my lap, put my camera on film, put my hands on the steering wheel. Wow. Everything. Yes. Officer, what do you need? Now there's a bunch of rights that are usually violated when an officer pulls me over from the beginning. Oh, but I don't even go into that where I start challenging them. Why am I pulled over? Am I a rat? Because all that's true. They pushed, they pushed their power way more than what they have. But I know if I start to challenge that by myself in my car, it could go down the wrong route. So I just like everything they need to know and I film it. And, um, you know, I carry a firearm I'm legally. And that's, he would, <laughs> that's super scary. When I got pulled over a few months back, you know, I had – I keep my – License and registration is not where I keep my firearm. That way, if I have to go for my license and registration, I don't open it up and my firearm. So I keep them in separate places in my car. That way, I don't scare any officers if I ever get a ticket. But back to your question, my whole life, since I first got my license to who I am today, fearful when the police are, when the cops are behind me. And that's a a completely different reality than I think most white guys, most white people uh, live in. I would, it would never yeah. occur to me to begin filming whenever a police officer comes up because it oh, may yeah. go sideways. It would never occur to me. Yeah. T.J. Griffin is our guest. We're almost out of time here. Um, you work with, with young people uh, who are incarcerated to help them turn their lives around. And you have a, a unique perspective, as you said, growing up in an incredibly multicultural environment. Uh, you yourself. Uh, yes. I wonder... I wonder what the path forward should look like. What action steps should we take? Well, I wish I could really know. I think one of the problem, Burke, is that we don't know the answer anymore. Um, but I have we have ideas. And I think the con- opening the conversation like you're doing as a white man from West Virginia, not scared to say, hey, let's talk about this. And, hey, this is wrong. And that's so big, and I'm so grateful for you to do that. That's that's one of the things. main things. Let's have these conversations and have um, 
people speak out on behalf of this. And I believe that police need more accountability. We should have we should have local people in every city that like govern the police. There's a board, you know, the the mayor and the chief come after this board. Maybe it's, it's an elected group of people that that have the resume and have the credibility and authenticity to be in the integrity to be on this board. But now they oversee some things. So now you have an officer that's misbehaving, and it's just it even just looks like it smells like racism. He can't be a cop. I'm sorry. Even if we're wrong, we'd rather be wrong. You have to work somewhere in another profession, or we'd be wrong and someone dies. I, Chris Rock said something in a said a joke about that. Some professions. I'm not. I'm going to tear, ruin his joke. But some professions. <laughs> do, do you know what I'm talking about? No, tell me. Some professions, you just can't have a few bad apples, he said. It just, you just can't have a few bad apples in some professions. Some professions, there's no room for it. He said, what if you go to De- Delta, or he made one and said, you know, I'm buying my flight. And they said, oh, great. We only have a few bad apples, a few guys that can't land the plane. They, they crash. Most of them are good, but here's your ticket. He said it much better than that. But some professions, just, just don't play area. No, he doesn't get a second chance. Sorry, he has to go get a different job before he ruins his life, he or she ruins his life, or takes someone else's. So I think the accountability for police officers is huge. Have people in the cities, in the, the districts or boroughs that are being police, have people in that community overseeing the law enforcement and making sure that they're protecting the people and helping the police get better. I think that is a huge one. More police officers doing what they're doing, more chiefs taking the knee and saying, hey, we will not tolerate this is huge. And having the, the conversations like you are, Bert. As a white man that has some privilege in America and has a platform saying, okay, I'm going to stand up now and I want to have this conversation and I want to say what is happening is wrong and we got to do something. That's something I'm not sure we know yet, but this is a great start, brother. Well, thank you very much. And I know what I don't know and I want to learn and, and you know, I want to be a part of the solution and I appreciate you talking with me. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for having me on here. Shout out to all your listeners to Landau and, um, and I appreciate you, Bert. Blessings to you. That's TJ Griffin. You can find him online. He is uh, one of the good guys. He does a lot of good in his community, a lot of good in the world. I'm Burke Allen, live in Washington, D.C. This is the Big Time Talker podcast, sponsored by Speaker Match. Go out there, make it a great day, and love somebody. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.